You are locked on Timberwolves. You are locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, we are back. The dynamic duo, Colt Molesky, Trey Flynn, bring you daily Timberwolves content on the Locked On Wolves podcast. Would love to remind you that if you're hopping in your car or usually listen to the podcast in your car, just yell at a, a smart speaker or your uh, your Siri play Locked On Wolves. Uh, yell, yell at something with technology, something technologi- technologically advanced and our podcast will pop up. So make sure to do that so that you're not just listening to something boring like the radio or music, something silly like that. Listen to the Locked On Wolves podcast when you're driving around, tooling around in that whip. Today, Trey and I are going to be talking about the Pelicans game, just recapping a little bit of that game before we launch into kind of preparation for the rest of the season and finishing out with the Clippers game. We are we are going to give you some unfortunate realities this morning, and I I like it as much as you will. But you know what? This, this is the Timberwolves. We should be used to this. This is about uh, about right on track for their usual their usual form. And so this is this is what we're stuck with, Trey. That they are losing to the Pelicans. I actually was doing the math this morning. They have given up a, over a, a fifty. Uh, blah. They have given up 115 points or more in eight of the last 18 games. Ooh, that is a really good and sad statistic right there, Colton. Um, yeah, it was a rough weekend. We're on a four-game losing streak right now, a second in the Western Conference, only to the uh, infamous Phoenix Suns, which does not sound fantastic when your GM and your owner are saying that we're trying to fight for the playoffs still. Um, so not everything is looking up right now, Colton. I, I don't know where to stay positive right now. Um, and to kind of start off the recap, uh, Anthony Davis came back in this one again with the Pelicans. Um, he only played 25 minutes, but he had a, had a hell of a game. Um, so what do you think about him playing in that game? Do you think that was a big reason uh, why our losing streak continued there? I think it was a huge reason. He had 32 points and only played in, uh, in what was it, 25 minutes, you said? I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. The The problem was is that little, that little uh, like, high screen move where he would just kind of break off from the screen, almost like he was almost, they're almost running him like a Clint Capella, really. I mean, it felt like he wasn't really running much of the offense. He was just kind of getting these dishes, and there was no defense inside against him. There was nothing that they could do. He was jumping all over the place and getting baskets and getting to the free throw line. And they there was no double team on Davis. There was nothing the Timberwolves defense could do. It was really it was really upsetting just because in the Western Conference there's actually this really big surge of really talented big men that can kind of do a bunch of different things. And to just be so powerless against Davis, it, it was upsetting because you know that they're going to have this problem against other guys uh, w- later in this season. I mean, you look again at against the Clippers tonight. I mean, uh, Montrez Harrell, they're, he's going to do a bunch of stuff, and I don't think they're going to be able to stop him uh, because I know that Davis is a lot better. But, I mean, it was really simple stuff that they had Davis doing. It's not like he was running the offense or running the game even. Uh, but he still ended up with 32 points, and I was kind of surprised because 
with how few time or with how little he was controlling the pace of that game, it honestly didn't feel like he would put up that many points, and he, it kind of snuck up on you. And that was one of the biggest disappointments, I think, in this losing streak so far for the Timberwolves. Yeah, for sure. Totally agree with all those points. Um, and just kind of break the game down. Like Minnesota came out after the first quarter had ended with a 13-point lead, 35-22. to 22. And I was feeling pretty confident, Colton, even though I know how this team works. They seem like they're going tipsy-turvy here, where they usually score those 35 points in the fourth quarter and they give it their all. In the first quarter, they usually bow down to their opponent. Not in this one, right? They came out firing, and I like that. Uh, Andrew Williams looks great in the first quarter. Um, Carlton Towns did everything asked in the first quarter. Even Isaiah Cannon uh, in that first half looked really, really nice. And then leading that second quarter, Anthony Davis just went off. There wasn't really an answer for him. And like you said, he, he kind of used everything in his toolbox to kind of get going. He got to the free throw line, I think, I believe six times. Uh, he shot 11 free throws, made 10 of them. And then Drew Holiday was another player who really tried to get the offense going. Every time the offense looked lackadaisical, he would do something perplexing that would throw off the defense, whether he was running around screens, facilitating, going to the basket, being crafty around the rim. He didn't have necessarily a great game shooting percentage-wise, but he was everywhere. Um, so he was really tough to stop on both ends. And uh, even though we both agree that Julius Randle is a really good player and he had a really good game with the previous game to this one, he was kind of like invisible for the majority of this game. So it was just odd to see Drew Holiday in 24 or 25 minutes of Anthony Davis just kind of take apart the Timberwolves for the majority of this game, uh, leading to a really close fourth quarter. Didn't it feel like Drew Holiday was kind of, I mean, I know that Anthony Davis had the 32 points, but didn't you, weren't you more worried about Drew Holiday every time he got the ball? Yeah, man, it feels like every time he gets the ball, he's going to do something, right? Like, it kind of feels like when Drew Holiday's playing, it's like where I got nervous watching the Celtics with Isaiah Thomas. It kind of feels like that recent memory, I guess, where I, I don't know exactly what he's going to do. And, and, and I don't have a lot of confidence he's like a shooter like Steph or anything like that, or a playmaker like Harden or Westbrook. But he just is so... Uh, I don't know the, the right word, but he's he's a very versatile player, and so he can he can do a lot of things. Um, and and both ends, right? He's known for being a defensive player. In this game, he showed up on defense, but mostly he was there on offense. Every time Davis was out of the game, if Holiday had the ball, you were nervous because I wasn't really scared to see Darius Miller, Frank Jackson, Tim Frazier, Stanley Johnson get the basketball in this one. I was nervous for Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. And because Drew Holiday played close to 40 minutes, he was like the main antagonist in this one for the Timberwolves. Yeah, he also had uh, three steals. He got to the line a bunch. He was 10 of 10 from the charity stripe. I don't know. I I know that, again, I know Anthony Davis is the better player on this team. I know he did more in this game with less. He had 32 points on 15 shots. Uh, But the offense was running to Drew Holiday, and it just really felt almost like every time he got the ball, he was hurting the Timberwolves either by making a shot or getting to the, the free throw line or creating a turnover. He had nine assists in this one. He was making plays for his teammates. I mean, there was just – it felt like he was doing something that really hurt them after the first quarter. Uh, it felt like he was doing something that really hurt the Timberwolves every time he got the ball. And, uh, yeah, it was a bummer of a game. I mean, Julius Randle – didn't do a ton, but he had the that was late shot that late shot to that he sunk that kind of helped pull away. I think that one put them up by like five points or, or four points late in that game. Uh, it was just it was a tough game, and if we're going silver linings from this one, my silver lining is that Isaiah Cannon was a beast. I mean, twelve points. 
Uh, 12 points in his first start, and he had four, he played 31 minutes, looked really durable, uh, had a couple of steals, had five assists. I, I don't know, shot 44%. Uh, he, he shot 50% from three-point range. I I thought that he played really well and looked good. And for a guy who you, you really shouldn't expect a ton from or you should have your expectations at a reasonable level, I, I, he surprised me. And it's only 12 points, but I don't know. I mean, Kogi had three points, and he started a lot more games this season. Uh, Taj Gibson had nine points. He started a lot more games. Uh, I, I, he, he played really, really well, and that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I've been hoping for the Isaiah Cannon kind of like breakthrough here. I'm glad he got some good highlights there. Um, he's on a second day, day, 10-day contract now. And I know we just talked about this on the past podcast about him maybe getting signed for the remainder of the season, depending on the Tyus Jones and Derrick Rose injury and how willing this coaching staff and front office is to keep Rose and Tyus Jones out if they're really fighting for the playoffs. And you know who looked really good coming off the bench was Jeff, Jeff Teague. <laughs> yep. Jeff Teague coming off the bench and being uh, a superior role player off the bench. And I'm just going to uh, you know, solidify that, that phrase right there, off the bench. I think it would be a really good idea to see a healthy team with Jeff Teague coming off the bench because this backup squad has been essentially led by Dario Saric over the past three or four games as their point forward. And it's worked well, but it's not going to work against really, um, you know, superstar-led teams. And Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday were def- are definitely one of those teams. And so I was glad to see Jeff T kind of take a handle on that backup offense. And then I would love seeing Isaiah Cannon come through and only in his fourth appearance in the Timberwolves jersey uh, kind of tell everybody, hey, I can play basketball. I don't really know, need to know all the sets immediately. I don't need to know everyone's talents immediately. I kind of get it. Give Andrew Wiggins the ball when he's feeling hot. Give Towns the ball always. And I'll facilitate when need be. And I really, I really uh, liked his uh, his prowess on both ends. So I'm excited for him in, in the next few games. And I and I hope over this next second ten uh, day contract that maybe he can get that extension for the rest of the season. Yeah, pleasant surprise for sure from Isaiah Cannon. Uh, and I'll, I'll end on this uh, before we go to break. I think the most depressing part of this game was that like the guys that you want to play well actually played really well. I mean, Towns played 32 minutes, shot 60 percent. From the floor, had 32 points, 8 rebounds. You had Wiggins. He had 10 rebounds. He had the double-double, 7 assists. Uh, He had 2 blocks in this game. Towns also had 2 blocks. Had 23 points. He shot 58% from the field in 35 minutes. And so both of the studs for the Timberwolves actually played really, really well. And Wiggins, this might have been like one of his top two or three best games, just because I know it's not the craziest amount of points he's put up this year, but to have the double-double and nearly have the triple-double and play fairly well in defense, really great game for Wiggins, and they still lost by a five. It is so apparent that they need a third guy, and they just don't have him on this roster right now. And maybe Josh Okogie will turn into that guy. Maybe, I mean, Derrick Rose was that guy, but obviously with the injuries, he he wasn't playing Tyus Jones, maybe he can grow into that third guy at some point, but he wasn't playing, and he's not that third guy now. It's so clear that they don't have the third guy to lift them over teams. And, I mean, in this game, even the Pelicans, a team that's not very good like the Pelicans, Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, Julius Randle kind of seems like that third guy for them. And so it's a bummer that teams like the Pelicans seem to have their three for however long that may be. And the the Timberwolves clearly do not. Yeah, for sure. The third guy is definitely necessary to have on this team. And 
unfortunately, as we've talked about already, uh, you know, not having the cap to be able to do that is going to be tough. So essentially you're going to have to hope that guys like Dario, Robert, Covington, uh, Tyus Jones, and Josh Kogi can kind of form into that third head of this uh, hopefully dark horse we can have um, in the near future. But as for Andrew Wiggins in this game, I wasn't going to leave this Pelicans review without kind of giving a Wiggins a shout-out here as I've been very critical of him on this podcast. He had a fantastic game. I think Point Wiggins was definitely alive in this one. Um, through three quarters. And he had 23 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists, two blocks, uh, shot 58% from the field, only shot two threes, which is big because his high volume sometimes hurts his team or hurts his team a lot usually. Uh, And only two turnovers for facilitating as much as he did, um, which is great. That's everything we need him in. He had one of the best plus minuses in the starting lineup. Actually, he had the best one. Um, And all things considered, he had a fantastic game. However, the biggest shot to Andrew Wiggins isn't just his high-volume shooting. That's more of my criticism of him this year uh, that's inconsistent against contested shots. The biggest uh, you know, error in Andrew, Andrew Wiggins' game that analysts usually give him is that he becomes invisible on the offensive end. And on the defensive end, he kind of has a lot of lapses when he plays bigger guys. And in this fourth quarter, he scored three points. Um, he only shot the ball three times. He was one of three. Uh, and he didn't score a point or take a shot within the nine, last nine minutes of the game. Uh, that is worrisome. Um, he only had three fouls. He wasn't, you know, wasn't uh, worried about kind of getting in the foul trouble there. Uh, and the fact that he was kind of invisible in this one, but we stayed close, is probably a good sign because it shows that Towns, Cannon, Akogi, Gibson, and kind of hold their own. Um, but I would like to see Wiggins kind of get more action there in the fourth quarter if he's feeling hot. Um, because the one thing that I think we both can agree to is his confidence is the real um, trigger for him taking that next step. If he can kind of get that confidence going at the end of these games, especially when he's feeling hot, when he's only three assists away from a triple-double, um, he should definitely do that when we need him. Um, so it's tough to see him take 14 shots going to the fourth quarter and then only take three in the fourth. So uh, it's tough. Yeah, and that's where you, if you had like maybe like a Robert Covington, that's where he has 10 points in the fourth quarter or something like that. But I just don't have that guy right now. And that's why they're losing games, and that's why they're going to miss the playoffs. Uh, we're going to get to a break for some sponsors, and then we're going to talk about setting expectations for the rest of the season real quick before we talk about the Clippers. Trey Flynn, Colt Molesky, we just got finished breaking down the Pelicans game. Catching you up to getting you up to speed after the Pelicans lost four game losing streak for the Timberwolves, and I just quickly I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. Don't want to really depress people on a Monday, and we have a Clippers game to talk about anyways. But as for the rest of this season, we should talk about. I mean, there's 27 games left, and 18 of these 27 games are going to be against playoff opponents in the playoff picture right now. This. This is kind of this is kind of it. I'm not saying that a win against the Pelicans would have fixed everything, but they're going into the toughest leg of their schedule on a four-game losing streak, and now they're going to play in back to in uh, almost a back-to-back. I mean, Monday night they're playing the Clippers, uh, and Wednesday they're playing the Rockets, and then they have a break against the Knicks, and then they're on the road against the Bucks on Saturday. So in the span of six days, you're going to be playing. Three playoff teams, and two of those playoff teams are in the top four of their respective conferences. So it's it, I would not be surprised if they came out of this week with uh, with a three and one mark, or a one and three mark, excuse me, with a one and three mark 
And so that this is going to kind of put them away for the season. I mean, you're looking at the, the standings, and the Clippers at 31-26, and then at 8th, or, or excuse me, 10th, you have 30-26 Sacramento, LA is 28-28, Dallas is 26-29, and, and then you have the Timberwolves at 25-30. and 30. I mean, and if you go this week 1-3, and three, that you're you're out of the playoffs. I'm sorry. There's there's no way to scrap together a playoff push. Uh, you you can't in my mind you can't get into the playoffs in the Western Conference without 40 wins, and they're going to struggle to get to 35 this year. So I completely agree here. Like it's going to be a, a real struggle for Minnesota to, to try to fight for the playoffs. They're five games behind the AC, and that's the Clippers, who were played tonight. Um, obviously that's a, uh, must win game or, you know, if we're going to put it this way, a game that really doesn't matter too much, if there's not really a huge chance of us making the playoffs. But again, if this front office and this organization want the Timberwolves to fight for the playoffs this year, and they don't want them to tank, then the idea is that this is a must win game tonight. However, in saying that Colton, cause it is an interesting conversation to have, we're currently sitting around the ninth or 10th lottery protected pick. Um, and so if that is where we're at, is a tanking question here? I, I don't like talking about tanks, especially after a team like with Minnesota who comes after a playoff season who has this 14-year drought, finally gets that uh, reemergence of stardom, and they have Carthay Towns and Andrew Wiggins, two of their max players, their young guys they believe in. Um, and with all this drama this past year with Minnesota, going to the playoffs again would definitely help the fan base and this organization kind of move forward. But how high are you on this draft, Colton? Like, if we're talking about the top 10 of these draft players being uh, pretty good guys, maybe in the top five is a tank out of the question here because the Timberwolves could lose some games here and easily be the sixth pick right now because the Pelicans and Grizzlies are behind them. They're tied with the Timberwolves. Pelicans are, and the Grizzlies are two wins behind them. So in the East, it's not that different either. So they're, they're really, they're really feeling out maybe if they can get like a six or seven pick here or they fight for the playoffs. What do you think Colton? Kind of a, a reset almost, right? You're going with a right. bunch of young talent. I mean, the the problem is is that if they can be really savvy this free agency, you're right back there. And so I, I don't know, I don't know how prudent it is to tank, and then because it's hard enough to get free agents to come to Minnesota, anyways, right? Right. I I don't know if. I don't know if tanking right now kind of colors the franchise a different way and almost puts it as a as a place where you can't win in the near future for free agents. And again, I'm not sure how how some of these guys are thinking. And some of these, I mean, you look at like the thought process and the way Kyrie Irving has flip flopped on a team like the the Boston Celtics. It's really hard to gauge where these guys are at mentally, anyways. But if you have a team that all of a sudden gets thrown into a tank situation, and I get it, a lot of injuries this year, but you they're thrown into a tank situation, and then you go into the summer after kind of transitioning into a tanking team at the end of the year, I just don't know how attractive that's going to be for a free agent. And again, this, this summer is going to be huge for the Timberwolves. I think this summer makes or breaks the next six years of the Timberwolves franchise. And... Uh, that may be a bold statement, but I just really think that this summer with the way if you can potentially fix your cap, make a solid draft pick, and get a free, grab a free agent, I, I, the trajectory of this team is wildly different from if you bungle your cap, you can't grab anybody, and you mess up this pick. 
Yeah, well, the toughest thing is, do they make moves, send Gorgie Jang elsewhere, um, you know, send a couple other, you know, actually they have no one else really to send out with cap that's not named Andrew Wiggins or Carl Anthony Towns that isn't named Gorgie Jang or Jeff Teague. So they can think about how they can send, uh, send Jeff Teague or Gorgie Jang elsewhere this summer, um, get some cap space there, and they'll have around $10 million to sign another free agent to kind of add to Dario Saric and Robert Covington's contract because Dario Saric will get an extension next summer or something around that too, and Robert Covington makes around $11 million. Um, that would definitely help a lot. It's just that the remainder, the remaining players in the team will probably be minimum contract guys. So there's just not a lot of cap freedom here. Um, and I know it's kind of far away still because, you know, we're still, in the, you know, three-fourths of the season um, down. But Andrew Wiggins' contract is definitely going to be on the radar this summer. I think a lot of people have to get ready for that. If the Timberwolves do indeed tank or if they don't make the playoffs this season, I think the worst-case scenario is that Minnesota is like a 10th seed, right? Um, and nobody likes being that seed. You're in the middle of the draft, for one. Two, that just means that you probably got complacent at one point during the midseason and you couldn't choose on whether to get the losing year and get a high draft pick or try to fight for playoffs even though your team wasn't ready for that. And I feel like we're kind of sitting around that purgatory right now. Um, so I can see Minnesota being like a like a 10th seed in the West at, by the end of the season. And if that happens, I can truly see Wiggins' name on the radar this summer a lot, for better or worse, to move um, just to kind of change up this cap and kind of like how you said, just kind of redo this roster a little bit. Um, because I do think you're right, Colton. I think that this summer is going to, it's going to be almost like a time, uh, time warp where we're going to see the future five to six years from now. And like I've been saying on past pods, do we want to be the Memphis Grizzlies of the past? Right. And unfortunately that's what it sort of looks like. And, um, you know, we're gonna have to wait and see in the summer, but as for right now, I think Minnesota needs to figure out this internal issue on whether they should fight for this playoffs. And I think tonight's game will be a big indicator on whether they can or not. If Minnesota can pull out a win tonight against the Clippers, you can definitely see a push for the playoffs because that that Clippers team is struggling right now. They just traded their best player in Tobias Harris. Um, they are, you know, they're 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 struggling internally, but they did just come out with a win against Boston. So it's not like they're a joke. Um, so it'll be a really tough game for Minnesota, but it's also going to be again a true indicator of what this Timberwolves franchise wants over the next few weeks, even in the next few months. Yeah, and the argument for tanking, too, is that the Timberwolves don't have a ton of crazy attractive assets. So maybe if you tank and turn that pick into, I don't know, let's just say hypothetically you can turn that pick into, like, the 10th pick. Maybe packaging that with something will make it more attractive. And the thing is that uh, it really feels like it really feels like they're probably going to have to trade into something. The problem is that, they again, they just don't have a ton that's really attractive to trade for and so it it feels like they're kind of like a Philly team where they have to trade into getting great guys it's not like a free agent destination the Minnesota Timberwolves and so there's probably a lot of good reasons to just tank and try and get uh, make sure that pick is as good as possible and I I just don't it's not that I'm uncomfortable with the tanking because again you don't like we've said a lot you don't want to get stuck in that purgatory but I just don't want with so there's a bunch of free agents and there's a bunch of like B-roll free agents too where there's maybe some veteran guys who have bounced around a couple teams and could really be good uh, in kind of like upgrades from the guys they got last year like Anthony Tolliver and Lowell Dang uh, kind of younger upgrade ver- versions that could be a little bit better than those guys as as role players and even those guys you got you want to you want to try and pull a few of those guys in and maybe 
there's not a great sales pitch for the Timberwolves over, I don't know, a team like Sacramento or something. And so if you show that you're still dedicated to winning, maybe that makes a difference. I don't know. It's a, it's a sucky spot. And at the end of the day, probably the better move is making that pick better. But it's it's an unenviable position right now for the Timberwolves for sure. We're going to get to a break for some sponsors, and then we're going to talk about that Clipper game. Colt Molesky, Trey Flynn. We've been talking about the Timberwolves against the Pelicans, about their season moving forward, what you should kind of expect, maybe appropriate expectations. We're going to finish out quickly here with a little talk about the Clippers. And like you just mentioned, Trey, they just beat the Celtics on the road. Even though they have traded Tobias Harris and they're fighting for that eighth seed, they had a really great win against the Celtics on the road. I have very little confidence right now in this Timberwolves team, even though they're at home against this Clippers team, because they have looked really good. Yeah, they're a good basketball team. They're well-rounded. Um, when I said they had internal issues, it was more so I think a lot of people on that team and a lot of people in the organization really love Tobias Harris and Boban Maranovic. And I think that uh, if they're going to trade two of their more fan-favorite guys and organization-favorite guys, you're going to struggle a little bit at first. But, hey, they came out in a good game against Boston. Like I said, they're well-rounded. They play like a 10- to 11-man rotation, which is pretty deep. Um, they got some interesting players in this team. Danilo Gallinari, uh, when healthy, is one of the better mid-range ga- uh, has one of the better mid-range games, um, mid-range games in the NBA. He actually plays a lot like DeMar DeRozan, like a taller version of him. Um, so I'd watch out for him. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander has been one of the more underrated rookies of the season. Uh, he's been playing great when he gets high minutes, but unfortunately he sticks around the 25-minute mark, so he's a really good player. Um, if anything, just look at his length, and that's probably the future of the point guard position. Um, Zubac, which is their new player, is going to be really good for them. Um, so they got a lot of guys, and Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams coming off the bench is just a disaster waiting to happen for Minnesota, who has a really weak bench right now as they're injured. So, I mean, it's just going to be a... It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough outing for Minnesota, especially on a four-game losing streak. And to play uh, Los Angeles at home is probably the best-case scenario right now, luckily. Um, so they're going to have two home games in a row with Los Angeles, then on Wednesday in Houston. So it'll be re- it's going to be really key for Minnesota to, to try to focus and hone in on this game. As like I said before, even though we say this a lot, it is a must-win game. Uh, if they don't win this game and they don't win against Houston this week, expect the conversation that me and Colton are having about tanking to kind of be more popular <laughs> um, because these two, these two losses would indicate a six game losing streak. Uh, it would be one and eight in the past nine games. It just would not look good. So you got to stick, stick with a win here and try to win out on these two game um, home streaks. And uh, hopefully they can against Los Angeles. Who's just a really well-rounded deep basketball team. I mean, the upside, I guess for the Tim rules in this one is the Clippers have really regressed as far as uh, a three-point shooting team. They're they're still a pretty fast team, but last year they were bombing all these threes, and this year they're last in the league in three-point attempts, surprisingly. And as far as the last four games, really since trading Tobias Harris, that has dropped. Now they're averaging over the last four games 20.8 threes, and... Uh, I would encourage people not to look at their three-point percentage because the 45.8 mark that they're hitting right now uh, from three is a little depressing. But they are shooting less threes. And so it does feel like one of those where if the Timberwolves can just really play them off the the three-point line, 
and they start missing a few of those. They don't take enough to where if they go down, they can really shoot their way. If It doesn't feel like last year's team where if they go down by double digits, they can really shoot their way out of anything just because they're not taking that many threes anymore this year. And so that isn't encouraging. That's a difference from last year that I think is worth noting just with the Timberwolves' struggles from three. And if you really kind of bang away at that front court without Boban down there, uh, trying to maximize the the use of Towns, Taj Gibson, uh, Dario Sarge, maybe that's the the best route for this for this game is that you just slow down the pace of this game a little bit, make sure they're not able to hit their three point shots, and then really try and maximize Towns because Harold is has been fantastic and I really like him a lot. But I don't know if he can, for four quarters, really lock up Towns defensively. I don't think that's possible for him at all. And so if you just really attack their front court with Towns and and Sarge and Taj Gibson, I think that's the way you win this game. It's definitely a must for the Timberwolves to, to play that way. Yeah, I definitely don't disagree. I agree with all those points. And it's also important to note, even though they beat the Boston Celtics in the Garden, they were without Kyrie Irving for like, two and a half, three quarters there. Um, he hurt his knee. He's okay right now. But uh, Boston came out firing in this game, right? They had a 23-point lead in the first quarter with Kyrie playing. Um, they were winning 43-20 to 20 after the first. And then once Kyrie went down um, around mid-second, the, the, the Boston Celtics kind of fell apart. And obviously it's not an excuse for their organization because they're full of really good players. But in that third quarter, Los Angeles Clippers came out in the second half, had a 28-12 lead. Um, and in the fourth quarter, they scored 42 points to kind of win this game. So it was it was an unexpected win. And this is a team just to kind of not uh, you tread lightly around, right? You can't just, like, let them take advantage of you. You have to notice when they're getting a little, like, higher pace and more efficient shooting. Um, and when guys like Alinari are getting this easy mid-range buckets and they're starting to feel themselves, that's where you get a little bit worried. So this is one of those teams that can get hot, uh, you know, kind of in the shadows. It's kind of difficult to tell. Um, so they just have to watch out for that tonight. Um, and like I said, this Boston win isn't a great indicator that the Clippers are going to win tonight. It's more so just indicator that they're not a team that you can just push over. Um, so like you said, too, guys like Carl Van Towns need to be aggressive against Harrell. Um, Andrew Wiggins definitely needs to be aggressive when he's being guarded by guys like Garrett Temple or Patrick Beverly because they're going to be all over him. Those are two really good perimeter defenders. Um, and now the Clippers are without Avery Bradley, who's had a really terrible year defensively. They've actually added defensively with Temple uh, and Beverly as a backcourt right there. So that's that's going to be a really interesting game for those two against Wiggins, who's coming off obviously an excellent game. Um, you're ultimately going to have to like just double down with Carlton Towns in this one. I don't think he'll disagree with me there, Colton. No, definitely not. Uh, I think that that is the route to victory. Unfortunately, the uh, Clippers just a better pace team this year, just a faster pace team this year. I, I feel like this still is a Clippers game, and they're just – I honestly think they just jump out to a really hot start and kind of knock the Timberwolves on their on their heels a little bit, unfortunately. And that is the way I'm probably going to feel about a, a few of these teams down the stretch, but I, I think that the Clippers win this one still. And I think that on the rest of the week we're going to be kind of talking about readjusting the way you watch Timberwolves games. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about, we'll try and be more positive throughout the rest of this week. We'll try and bring you some more positive content, but this is kind of a, a gray Monday and I'm sorry about that, but that's the way it is. This I'm not dishing out the takes. This is what the team has given me. 
Yeah, this is all we have to work with, guys. Uh, so I apologize too. Uh, I will try to stay positive, but just know me and Colton are keeping it real here. We're not going to lie to you. We're not going to sugarcoat this team for you. And if anything, this team should maybe piss you off a little bit and want them to do better. And they could, and they could really uh, give you a smile tonight, even though Colton's predicting the loss. And I'm going to go with predicting a loss here too. I think Clippers won this one. If Minnesota comes out tonight and pretty much craps on everything that me and Colton are saying and every player does fantastic, awesome. Look to that Houston game on Wednesday. Get excited for that one. Um, and just also realize that we are playing with kind of like a bad news bear squad right now with all these injuries. Uh, Jared Bayless, Ty Jones, Derek Rose, all going to be out tonight. Obviously, Robert Covington. Um, well, Derek Rose is questionable, but most likely he's going to be out. So you're just going to have to rely on that backcourt uh, that we've been seeing and Jeff T coming off the bench and just hope for Wiggins to uh, have a second consecutive good game and for Carl Anthony Towns kind of have to double down with him and hopefully he can close out with a huge performance. That's it for us, guys. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure if you're going into a car, yell at something in the car to play the Locked on Wolves podcast. Make sure you're not listening to something boring or silly like the radio or music. Make sure you're listening to the super amazing, awesome Locked on Wolves podcast in the vehicle to make those drives go by super quick. Thank you for tuning in and listening to another Locked on Wolves podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.